It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to be. One of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar, 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. Harry Ruiz back with you here on the JT The Brick Show, hour number two on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. The Raiders just concluded their fifth day of OTAs out in the Intermountain Healthcare and Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. We already heard from Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach for the Silver and Black, his first year with the Raiders. And more. And we got more interviews lined up for you with Frank Oakham, with Chandler Jones that we're going to hear on this. This show before we finish our number two. Let's remember, Raider Nation, it's June 2nd. That means that we're post-June 1st when the cuts of Corey Littleton and Carl Nassib become official, and that has created $19.75 million on the books for the Raiders, who now have $22.5 million in cap space. This according to OverTheCap.com. Only Cleveland And Carolina have more cap space than the Raiders at this moment. The Browns, 41 million. The Panthers, 25 million. So now the Raiders, they got more availability to be able to go out and get a player or two from free agency. Whoever's available, whoever's in their price range, they can try and go get or also get one of their in house guys that wants a contract extension that deserves a contract extension, get them taken care of like a Darren Waller or a Hunter Renfro. So we'll keep an eye on that. We know that sometimes they like taking their time. They don't like going immediately and just going on the hunt. And guess what? The more time keeps going going and going, the price for the other players that are free agents at this time it's more likely they keep going down, and the Raiders can strike on that. Aquí está la jugada. Clemson trae la carga. Barrow en la bolsa. Pase para la zona. Completo. Touchdown. LSU. El primero del partido para Terrence Marshall y la anotación número seis para la leyenda de Joe. That's Mario Jerez, the play-by-play announcer for the LSU football team. You heard right there the highlights from the 2020 college football playoff national championship, which LSU won. And he's also the play-by-play announcer for the New Orleans Saints and co-host of the early line on ESPN Baton Rouge. Mario, it's an honor to have you here on Raider Nation Radio. Raiders and Saints, October 30th, 2022. We're still a couple of months away, but we got to start getting the 411 on your Saints. Looking forward to it, man. Howdy, Luis. Thanks for having me on, man. Getting goosebumps from the clip there, man. Like watching Joe Burrow on college a lot more than the NFL, although we already took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. But thanks for the intro, man. Happy to be on. 
Thank you so much, Mario. I love watching your show on social media. I was watching you half of the show yesterday while I was texting with you. You do a great job out there in the Big Easy. And now we got to switch gears from college to NFL. The Saints, new head coach, a guy that the Raider Nation knows pretty well, Dennis Allen. This after 15 years of Sean Payton being the head coach of New Orleans. What can we expect in change-wise for this franchise now that they got a new coach? Well, if you've paid attention to this team the last couple of years, which I know you have broadcasting some of the games, one against the Raiders, this team has won games mainly because of their defense. The Mario Davis, Cam Jordan, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, now you add Tyron Matthew to the fold, and you would think the Saints are still going to be set up to succeed, be a playoff team and all that. You will get Jameis Winston back in the fold, hopefully for a full season this time. But Jameis Winston without Sean Payton doesn't have Saints fans as optimistic as Jameis Winston with Sean Payton still in the fold. You have a lot of talent on defense. D.A. has proven that he's capable of coaching that talent to, to a very high ability. And offensively, you've really beefed up the receiving core because you will get Michael Thomas back. You will get Chris Olave, the rookie from Ohio State, in the fold. But Jameis Winston needs to prove that he can be a full-time starting quarterback and have success because he had a good team in Tampa as well, but never took that team to the playoffs. So everything is set up for Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen both to succeed, but those guys have to prove that they can do it without Sean Payton in the building, and they have to prove that they can take on the added responsibility. As far as D.A. specifically, it seems to be kind of split. Some Saints fans think he can keep the momentum going from the last couple of seasons, but some Saints fans think that he can't fill Sean Payton's uh, mass shoots. Yeah, and Jameis Winston, we all remember that season where he led the league in touchdowns and an interception, something that it's like, well, it's a coin flip. You're either going to get seven or you might get a pick six on the other side. Uh, Jameis Winston, he was one of four quarterbacks to start a game last year for the New Orleans Saints. This was in the first season after the post-Drew Brees era in New Orleans. Winston, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, Ian Brooke. Obviously, the QB room looks different this year with the addition of Andy Dalton. What do you expect from the quarterback position this year? Well, there's no more Taysom Hill there is, I think, the first thing that we should point out. And I'm sure he'll still take some snaps from the Wildcat and maybe still see some direct snaps. But he's no longer in that room for the most part. Now Jameis Winston has full dominion. I think you can kind of tell about reading between the lines and his quotes during the offseason that he's really excited to not have to share those reps with Taysom anymore. And I think that maybe this staff in particular with uh, Pete Carmichael now calling the plays instead of Peyton might turn uh, Jameis Winston a, a little bit more loose. And obviously I don't think you want to see Andy Dalton in the game because Jameis seems to have the starting spot locked up right now, but it does feel good to know that you have somebody on the bench with, with experience and has played well throughout times in his career. Not, not so much with the Bears and, and with the Cowboys recently, but you know that he's experienced, and Jameis is going to get this opportunity. It's his team now. Like I said, no Sean Payton in the room anymore is going to be a factor, and we'll see how they handle it. But you have your starter locked in in Jameis Winston, and you have a pretty quality backup in Dalton as well. You mentioned Ian Book. Not really sure what the plan is going forward for him, but the fact that they signed Dalton, I think, tells you the Saints aren't that high on him. So the QB room seems to be in a good spot, but it'll all be dependent on whether or not Jameis can control those extra responsibilities. 
And you were talking also about that defense earlier today. I remember those stats about the elite run defense that the New Orleans Saints have and how they had a streak, an amazing streak of games without allowing the opposing running back go, opposing team go over 100 yards. Cam Jordan, he's key in there, but they got a great crew of not only defensive linemen, but linebackers. This defense of, the, defense of the Saints, are they the reason why they can go far? Are they the make or break for this team? I, I think so. I don't know if I'd say make or break, but I still think the identity of the team is, is going to be built on the defense. I do worry a little bit about losing Marcus Williams, all-pro safety, who's now on the Baltimore Ravens. You replaced him with Tyron Matthew, which was a really popular decision here. As you said, I do the games for LSU and the Saints. And Tyron Matthew, obviously being a homegrown product from New Orleans, attended LSU. A lot of people are really, really excited about that pickup. But Marcus Williams did a really good job there for a really long time. And you also lost his, uh, his co-starting safety in Malcolm Jenkins, who was a really good veteran player. You replaced him with Marcus May from the Jets. And both of those guys are capable, May and Matthew, I think. But I don't know if they could play quite the law from Williams and Jenkins. Uh, that, that'll be a wait-and-see kind of thing. But the front seven, what you mentioned, the run defense, should still be really, really stout. Cam Jordan is still playing at an elite level. Demario Davis is still playing at an elite level. And the Saints really like Pete Werner, the third-round pick from Ohio State a couple of years ago. So you would think the offense will still be serviceable. We'll see what happens with Kamara and how much time he misses. But they should be they should be able to have more success in the passing game with all the receiver help that they added. That being said, I still think the strength of the team is on defense. We're talking with Mario Jerez, the play-by-play announcer in Spanish for the New Orleans Saints and LSU football, also co-host of the Early Line on ESPN Baton Rouge. Raiders and Saints, they face off on October 30th at the Mercedes-Benz Super Bowl, uh, Superdome, Superdome, the Super Bowl. Hopefully we get a, a matchup like that, Raiders-Saints. I wouldn't be against it at the and the Super Bowl. The offseason, what's your... What's your thoughts on it from the New Orleans Saints side of things? Because I remember at the beginning of it, everybody was like, hell, they're in cap space hell right now. They did a lot of moves. And what did you think they ended up doing in that in the offseason? You liked the moves? You didn't like the moves? I love them. We call that Loomisnomics. Here in Louisiana, they say that the cap is a myth because that's always kind of a thing with the Saints, right? The cap situation doesn't look good, but they make some contracts, uh, you know, heavy with incentives. And Loomis seems to always find a way. And on paper, Harry, I got to tell you, I, I love the offseason. Maybe the secondary got slightly worse, like I said, with losing Williams and Jenkins, but they should still play at a really high level, and you still have Marshawn Lattimore, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. But then offensively, I love what they did in the offseason. You lose to Ron Armstead, stalemate at left tackle for a long time, and you use a first-round pick on Trevor Penning from a small school, but that will hopefully fill a need. And then you got so much better at wide receiver. Like, if you were watching Saints games last year, you usually had Marquez Callaway as the number one guy, undrafted player from Tennessee. This year, he might be the number five or number six guy because you'll get Mike back. And I love going out and getting Olave and getting Jarvis Landry as well. So on paper, I think the Saints got better, Harry. But again, the question with this team is going to be, can Dennis Allen, can Jameis Winston do the things they need to do, not just on game day, but throughout the week, to lead the team as a head coach and quarterback combination? Because like I said, Jameis had his crack in in Tampa and was not successful. You know all too well, Dennis Allen had his crack in, in Oakland and was not successful. So I think the team is better but Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston had to show that they can they can kind of take the next step. 
Yeah, and everybody's optimistic, or well, nearly everybody's optimistic in the off season, and they feel good, and they're going to go into the season oh and oh, and hopefully they do the best, and we'll see. And speaking about optimism, you're the co-host of the Early Line on ESPN Baton Rouge, a gambling show, and I see right here the over under of win totals of the season. Raiders eight and a half out here in Las Vegas. We feel that's a little disrespectful, but it's all right. That's what they think. Saints seven and a half. What do you think? Is it an over or an under for each team? I think the Saints is, is an over for sure. I see some books have it at eight and a half, which would give me some pause. But if you're looking at seven point five, I'm probably taking the over there. The Raiders, if you're putting me on a spot, it's tough, man, because I love what you guys have done. Getting Devontae Adams to go play with Carr. Those guys already have good rapport. And I like I like what you guys do on defense as well, but that division, man, and the quarterbacks in it. I mean, having to face the QPs that you're gonna have to face now twice a year, whether you're talking about uh, Mahomes or Winston or everybody else in the division, it, it's going to be tough. But I would go over on the Saints. And for the Raiders, you're kind of putting me on the spot, but I might have to go under if I had to give you an answer right now, just because the division is so tough. Hey, it's all good, brother. We understand everybody has a different opinion on it. Personally, I look at what the Raiders have done against Justin Herbert each of the last two seasons, one and one. And that's what I think the Raiders might end up doing this season, splitting with each of the teams in their divisions. They're, de they're definitely going to be very, very good and interesting games. And I can't let you go without talking about LSU. I know you're a big LSU guy, Brian Kelly, highest paid coach in college football. We see him out there dancing with recruits, trying to get, the, get him into, into his program. What do you see from LSU this year? Uh, man, he needs to work on his dance moves. That's for dang sure. But I think Brian Kelly's doing a pretty good job of managing expectations. Like, this roster has a lot of holes on it, and most of the fan base knows that. But they're willing to give Brian Kelly a few years. He's already done a good job, in my opinion, in the transfer portal. And I think most fans here would be cool with, like, an eight-win season. Nine and three would be really good. But nobody in Baton Rouge is really expecting to win a title this year. Down the road, the expectations will definitely increase. You saw what happened to Coach O just two years after winning a national title. But in terms of year one, I think Kelly's doing a good job of managing expectations. And this will be a team that can win some really cool games against some high-caliber opponents, but also some, also a team that can maybe lose some games they're not supposed to lose to just because they're inexperienced and Kelly is still trying to kind of get his program in order. But I think Brian Kelly ultimately will be successful at LSU, but not expecting like fireworks in year one. There you go. Long term, you do see them getting another natty, right? Oh, yes, of course. The last three coaches have all gotten one. There you go. Let's see if they make it four in a row with Brian Kelly. Mario Jerez, play-by-play -play announcer in Spanish for the New Orleans Saints and LSU football, also the co-host of Early Line on ESPN Baton Rouge. Where can people find you on social media, Mario? Follow me on Twitter at Mario underscore E underscore Jerez. Also follow me on Instagram at mherez 3 Always retweeting. I know the audience in Vegas is, uh, is very cognizant of all the betting that goes on, but if you ever want some plays, basketball, football, whatever, check us out. Also, I want to say very happy for you, Harry. Very happy to, uh, to see your success. Love to see my fellow Latinos doing well. Thank you so much, Mario. I really appreciate the support. We spoke when the Raiders played, played against the Saints in 2020. Hopefully we talk again here in 2022, and we bring you on board over here on Raider Nation Radio to talk a little bit more about the Saints that week of the October 30th game, which, if I remember correctly, is week eight. Yes, week eight, October 30th. Thank you so much, Mario. Thank you, Harry. Have a good one. Warmest regards to the Brick.
There you go. Mario Jerez, play-by-play announcer in Spanish for the New Orleans Saints and LSU football with his take on the Saints. He went over with them on the win totals, seven and a half, and under with the Raiders in with eight and a half. And that's something that I see a lot of people think of when they're betting outside of Las Vegas, outside of Oakland, outside of Los Angeles, that they're not into the Raiders because they look at the division and they they prefer to go with the hot commodity that it is with the quarterback in L.A. with Justin Herbert or the known commodity Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes or they look at Russell Wilson and all that he has done in his career and they think that going into Denver he's set that he's got a great defense he's got decent offensive weapons he they think that that's better than what the Raiders have in Las Vegas. And hey, I respect every opinion. That's what they think. Go with it. And there you go. In my opinion, eight and a half for a 10-win Raider team after what happened last year. And then coming into 2022 with an improved roster, bringing in the best wide receiver in football and Devontae Adams, bringing in a beast in Chandler Jones to pair up with Max Crosby. And bringing in a staff that's co- that has Josh McDaniels as its head coach. Patrick Graham, that a lot of people in the league think it's his only season with the Raiders because he has potential to be a head coach elsewhere. Bringing this squad in, and they still think the Raiders are going under eight and a half wins? Well, guess what, Raider Nation? That's your moment to pounce if you gamble and you like long-term bets. Go with it. Go with the eight and a half. The Raiders had 10 wins with the situation they had last year. They made it into the playoffs. Go with it. I would. I don't bet, but I would if I were a betting man. That's my opinion in that aspect. Raider Nation, we got Chandler Jones that he spoke today after today's OTA practice at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. And we're going to hear from him shortly after this commercial break. You're listening to the J to the Brick Show here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I mean, I think back to Vinny's original question, your injuries are going to occur, you know, and now, you know, depending upon how they'll continue on with, with the rules, are you going to be able to dress seven or is it eight as a, you know, as a COVID? I don't even know how those rules have, have impacted us, but um, if you're going to go to a game typically with seven offensive linemen dressed, you're going to have to be able to play multiple positions. Um, and, you know, if you're only going to play one position, you better be one of the best at it. Yeah, one of the best at it, Colton Miller at left tackle. You know that guy isn't going to be moved anywhere else in that offensive line. But you look at the rest of it from the right of Colton Miller, and you got versatility. You got guys that you want to move from right guard to right tackle, right tackle to right guard, center to left, left guard going back and forth. So definitely versatility right there is a key. Carmen Brasillo, offensive line coach for your Las Vegas Raiders. Chandler Jones, what a stud the Raiders ended up signing in free agency. He has more sacks in the last decade than any player in the NFL with 107 and a half. There's only one player in the league that has more sacks than Chandler Jones that's active at this moment. Von Miller with 115 
15 and a half sacks. I recommend everybody, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, check out the article that Vic Tafer posted today. Chandler Jones is bringing his master's degree in pass rushing to the Raiders. I read it this morning. It's excellent. Go and check it out. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, believe me, they do a great job in depth, not only with the Raiders, but with every franchise pretty much in every major league sports here in Vegas. We got Vic Tafer and Deshaun Reed doing a great job right there covering the Raiders. And Chandler, he spoke with the media today, and here's his press conference after today's OTA. Chandler, you've been at this uh, a little while, uh, but when it gets to this time of year, OTA is offseason program. Um, ever not, do you ever lose sight of how important this time of year is um, for, for a team and the steps that you guys are taking? I don't think I personally ever lose sight of the importance of uh, the OTAs, the minicamp, the off-season program. Um, I think that this time now is, is very advantageous for any team um, because this is the time that you get a jump, you get the edge. Um, guys are starting to get familiar with their teammates and for us to have a new staff and a lot of new players, I think that's very important. Um, you know, you don't want to wait until fall, um, you know, for me to be calling someone's name and not knowing their number. I think this is the time to do it now. So uh, I think it's a huge advantage. It's advantageous for us for sure. So um, it's important for, for us to be here. Chandler, both uh, Frank, Josh, they talked about your character off, off the field. You come from a small town. I visited Binghamton and Endicott area. It's known for Speedy Fest, Orchard Parks. Does yeah. uh, is, is that small town help you sit, sort of stay focused on your love for the game but also keep that humble side of you? Yeah, uh, sure. There was a lot of things from that town. It's funny that you brought up Speedies because I made Speedies the other day, chicken Speedies. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were known for our chicken Speedies. Lupo's? Yes, Lupo's chicken Speedies. But um, I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry, I just got off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was thinking about Speedies. I don't like, know about Speedies. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. Speedies is big, right? Right. Um, just growing up in a small town, yeah. it, uh, Josh had talked about your character, just very humble and a lot of humility. Yeah. Um, growing up in a small town like that, mm-hmm. did that help sort of keep you grounded and bring that humility on and sort of? Yeah, of course. Um, being humble is something that I was definitely raised on, um, and also the culture from where I was from. But just this opportunity, um, and I say it all the time, that I was that kid that said, hey, when I grow up, I want to be an NFL football player. Um, so now that I'm 11 years in, 10 years in, I, I understand the, the severity of this job, but this opportunity that I have, um, it's a blessing to be playing this long, but uh, to have your dream job every day, uh, it's very humbling, and, uh, and it's something that you want to do well and do at a high level. So um, that's what I take pride in, like I said before, being consistent, but just enjoying the work, enjoying football. So, What's it been like working with, with Coach Holcomb so far now that you got the chance to be around him and work with him a little bit? One more time, sorry. So what's it been like working with uh, Yeah, I need that for sure. Uh, Coach Frank Holcomb so far now that you had the chance to, to spend a few practices with him and, and meetings with him? Yeah, Coach, Coach uh, Frank is very football smart, and that's a very cliche thing to say. But the terminology that he uses, um, you know, I feel like you get a lot of guys that they coach and don't play that position, and it's very normal in this league. But uh, Frank, obviously, he played. He had some some success, and he played. He played for. He played defensive line. So uh, the way that he coaches, I love because um, he knows how to say the right things to certain players because he's been in these situations before. Chandler, you told me at your first press conference that you wanted to come in and be humble and earn the right to lead. Well, you've got that now. These guys are following you. Are you surprised at how quick 
all these guys begin to follow you, or does the resume just speak for itself? Uh, and it's funny that you're saying that because this is my first time hearing about, you know, the guys are following and leading, but that's just how I approach my job. Um, and, you know, if guys are following, that's a good thing. Like I said before, hey, Chandler's running to the ball. Why not? I run, why, why can't I run to the ball? So um, that, I, I'm very admired by that, that guys are leading. But like I said, this isn't over yet. And like I said, the season hasn't started. So hopefully I can, I can keep doing that. And, you know, hopefully they can be contagious throughout the team. Chandler, it's easy when you think about the Raiders defensive line to think Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. But there's a whole bunch of other guys oh, yeah. in that room as well. Uh, your first impressions uh, of, of the, the group, the defensive line group? What I like uh, about the group that we have is that everyone wants to learn. And uh, there, there isn't any players that are saying, oh, I got this, or oh, I did this before. Everyone's like, hey, you know, what, what's that? Or, hey, can you do that again? And uh, if you get a room full of guys that are like that, the sky's the limit. And like I said, I'm not here to make guarantees, but that, that's, very, that's a very good thing to have on a team. Uh, and that just shows uh, that everyone loves football. You want to get better. You want to work on your craft. So uh, we have a room or a team full of guys that want to learn, and we have coaches that want to coach. So um, it's fun. It's fun every day. Frank so pushes a guy with 107 career sacks daily in a championship. Like, what, what pushes you each morning? Uh, well, not just about the sacks. Maybe winning, winning more. Um, 100 and, 108 sacks, uh, the next one. <laughs> so... Yeah, oh, so 108.5? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Frank said that it's impressive to sit, you know, to watch you, especially during OT, just some warm-ups and the agility. Mm -hmm. How much do you credit that back to Endicott in your days of wrestling? Yeah, just growing up. Um, like I said, I was the youngest of two bro three brothers. And uh, I was, the, I was uh, it was very competitive growing up. And, and that leads to a lot of my success today. I mean, who can eat their food the fastest? Who can run to the refrigerator the fastest? I was the youngest, so I was always losing, but it made me better. And, uh, and like, just growing up, just that work ethic was instilled at an early age. And I, and I think it's just just second nature. Chandler, you mentioned that you were excited to be able to play across from Max Crosby. Yeah. How much are you guys going to anticipate pushing each other? Oh, he's already been pushing me. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it's insane almost to this point where – where I am in my career, you know, being 11 years in, we're going into my 11th season. Uh, there's been there's been a few times in this camp now where I see Max, you know, running to the next drill, and I'm kind of like, I gotta go faster. Look at Max, he's already over there, you know. Um, and I, he's younger than me, but like I said, he's he's pushed me in that in that sense already. So um, I'm excited to rush him. Like he was a huge reason why I came to Las Vegas too. It's one of the the main reasons why I came to play with him. So uh, I, I get giddy even talking about him. So well, he's probably out there waiting for me now. That's my boy. Is he the sort of player in person that you thought he would be? Are you seeing that? Yeah, and it's not that I I, uh, I thought he would be someone, because I knew Max uh, prior to coming to the team. We used to speak. I used to, I mean, I would text him and talk about pass rush for, for years before coming here. So the opportunity for us to be on the same team, it's just surreal. Are you experiencing any of that new boss, new employer thing that you haven't had, that kind of anxiety and maybe an anxiousness to want to prove yourself? Uh. I won't use the word prove myself. Um, and, and as far as anxiety, yeah, of course. I mean, I get butterflies before practice today. I get butterflies every day. And that just shows that I love the game. I love the sport. I want to do well. Um, and like I said, it's a new team. You know, there's new coaches. There's new scouts. There's a new staff. Like I said, I know a lot of guys from the staff. But um, I don't want to go in front of these guys and say, hey, you know what I can do. You saw me a few years ago. Or you saw me in ESPN. You saw me. 2019, I had 19 sacks. I mean, what have you done for me lately? 
and what can you do for me now? And I know that, I understand that. So um, I take pride in my work and I, I come to work every day uh, with a smile on my face, but also to perfect my craft. Chandler, I know your focus right now is on defense, but when you guys get into 11-on-11s and you see Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Derek Carr and on and on and on, um, what are your thoughts on that offense and how explosive it can be and just the importance of you guys getting them the ball back as many times? Yeah, all those guys that you just named, uh, those guys are hard workers. And as big as their names are, um, it doesn't come without the work. There's those guys work every day. And even from my perspective, um, you know, I don't want to talk about too much of what the offense is doing, but those guys are working. And, and like I said, I admire the work that they're putting in. Uh, Derek, Devontae, all those guys. Darren, those guys are working really hard. And like I said, we're going to keep working. You talked about your anxiousness, even as an 11-year bet. When you came here, were there things on your mind that they were immediately put to rest, that you're pleasantly surprised and your mind's at ease? What, what story were you like, oh, whoa, you know, this is, this is cool? Aside uh, from familiarity with the coaches. It's just that whole, not that it's ever at ease, but, you know, that kind of first day of school thing that you go through. You know, it's new players, it's new teammates. Um, that's kind of chilled out now. Obviously, that goes with just being around the guys. But uh, for sure, my first day at OTAs, you know, you, first day around the guys, you know, you kind of, you don't want to do or say the wrong things. And we got a lot of rules in our locker room that, you know, you can't step on the, on the, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say, but you can't really step on the Raiders symbol. I mean, you have to do some, some push-ups or something. So there's a lot of things that you don't want to do. You don't want to do the wrong thing. So I'm um, just trying to get acclimated with everyone. That's all. Chandler, you were very open about being a family man, the importance of your family. How is your family adapting to Vegas? Oh, they're enjoying it, honestly. Um, each and every day, I mean, it's pretty much the same routine. But um, my family's all from New York, so it's, it's, uh, it's quite the hike. But uh, there's, there's now flights coming straight from New York to Vegas now, so that'll be fun. A lot different from Binghamton. Do, do the brothers still compete with everything? Oh, yeah. Even whenever we get together, we're sitting there sparring. Well, we might be competing. We'll be either, always. That's always a thing. Every holiday, whenever. Whenever we get a chance to be around each other. Chandler, after 107... In the half sacks, I guess, and now you're in your 11th year. How often do you actually do a self check and see how much is left in the gas tank and how much is left in the gas tank right now? I don't really do a self check, and uh, I don't have a, a magic uh, ball to sit here and tell you Chandler's going to play this many X many more years or this many, you know, how much is in the tank. Um, it would be unfair for me to sit here and tell you, oh, I, I could do this and can't do that. Um, I feel great. And I'm excited to play this season, and, uh, and we'll move forward from there. Are your sparring sessions tougher now that John has a heavyweight body? No, no, not at all. And I don't just spar with John. I spar with a lot of different guys. But, but he's definitely bigger, and his arms are a lot longer than mine. So, yeah, that's a thing. What else I guess? Good. Thank you. We're good. Thank, Thank you, guys. I appreciate So in case you didn't know, John Jones, the former lightweight heavyweight champion of the UFC, he's Chandler Jones' older brother. So... There's a lot of competition in that household, and his other brother was a former NFL player as well. So that's why when they say the athletes, they definitely come in bunches in those kind of families. They definitely did with the Jones family. And here, Chandler Jones, like I said, 107 and a half sacks, the most in the last decade in the NFL, only second most between the active players in the league, only behind Von Miller. And like he said, taking it one year at a time. He feels he has it. He has proven that he's had it with him from his time with the Patriots. Those four years, he got traded to the Cardinals, signed an extension with them, played with them for six years. He hits the free agency market for the first time. The Raiders pay him, and he's now with the silver and black. 
they the Raiders felt he was an improvement over Yannick Ngakwe, and we saw that bromance between Yannick and Max Crosby last year, and it seems like it just transferred to the new guy in the room with Chandler Jones, a great player. We'll see once the season starts how they complement each other. He's great against the run run offense. Right against pass against the pass, he gets to the quarterback. That's what you want—a constant player, one that is always delivering to the team. Quarters one through four, and I can't wait to see him donning the silver and black at Allegiant Stadium. It's time to go to a commercial break, and remember, we still got more here on Raider Nation Radio, and we want to hear from you, Raider Nation seven zero two. 365-9200. We're the flagship radio station of the Silver and Black. We got you covered with OTAs. Hugh and Vinny Bonsignor were there, and they're going to be here on the air from 2 to 4. Cue on Unnecessary Roughness from 4 to 6. Vinny within the huddle. Let's go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back here on the JT The Brick Show. And we did it, like I said, you know, all the years we've been through early on in the season, all the things we went through early on in adversity really allowed us to come here in the game seven and do what we've done. You know, I think our, our road record is better than our home record. And, and that just shows the resilience we have. Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. Game one of the NBA playoffs is tonight in the Bay Area. The Warriors hosting Boston. A great series, I think, is going to happen within these next couple of weeks. Definitely interesting game. The Warriors favored by three and a half points by the sportsbooks. We'll see if they were on the spot or if not. And the Warriors, they're the favorites time also in this series. A lot of the experts are going the Warriors' way. My man Bobby says that's good. That's showing you that it's going to go towards the Boston side. And he's a Boston guy through and through. We shall see. The Celtics want to once again become the team with the most championships in NBA history. Warriors, six finals appearance in eight seasons. Celtics, first finals appearance since 2010? 2008. It's been a while. It's been a while for the... For the team out there in Boston. And I was seeing a stat that the Celtics, they don't have a single playoff appearance in their roster right now. Like you look at all the players, none of them has played in the playoffs. This will be their first game tonight. You go to the Warriors side and they got over 120 games in the in the finals, in the finals to in their resume. So experience against youth. But those young guys, they're studs. They got a great roster. And I'm excited. 6 p.m. tonight. Warriors versus Celtics, Game 1, NBA Finals. We go back to the silver and black side of things because Frank Oakham, the defensive line coach for the Raiders, spoke with the media today in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center after today's OTA session. Well, really right now, it's just about really learning the system, just trying to get guys acclimated, understanding what Coach Graham is trying to teach the guys and just getting them comfortable uh, playing the defense and, and trying to get some technical things improved. 
Hey, Frank, it's Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. Uh, you know, last year was your first first time being a full-time defensive line coach in the NFL. Uh, what led this offseason kind of to you making the transition over coming with the Raiders? What led to it? Yeah. Just opportunity. You know, in, in this profession, it's about, you know, who you know, who you can connect with. Um, anytime you can come to a story program like the like the Las Vegas Raiders and the Raider name, it, it's something that could really help you as an individual and something that, I, you know, when you get a chance to do, you just kind of have to jump at it and try to take advantage of it. Coach, to be able to step in and have a Max Crosby and a Chandler Jones, how much does that help you sleep at night knowing you already got that to a couple of bookends? You know, those are really two talented players, and what's even better is they're better people. And so what you get from those guys, they, they offer great leadership to the young guys, players trying to figure out what it means to be a pro. So having them in the locker room and in the meeting room every single day, offering wisdom, offering advice, offering a physical example to the young players has been something that's special. Frank Willer Ramirez with the Associated Press. That being said, a lot of times you hear coaches say they can learn a lot from the veteran players as much as players can learn. What have you learned just in the short time from Chandler Jones and that you're seeing him in dealing with the players and the coaching staff? You know, as a former player, you have to remember in the NFL that you we're coworkers. And so for me, I always like to pick the brain of someone who has 100-plus sacks because that's something I never did in my own career. So anytime you can get some, some lessons from the way they see the game, coaching points, film study points, Anything to help those guys, young guys, acclimate to the game faster, I'm all ears. I have no ego in this game. I'm just trying to help the Raiders win football games. Frank, how, how much, when it comes to Chandler, and it's been early, obviously, but how much does he still have left in the tank? You know, this, like I said, he's a true professional. And when you, if, you, if you guys have been out there, you see how hard he's running to the ball. He's leading by example with this effort. And I think that's the thing that is a, is a testament to his longevity and his career and why he's been so successful for this long amount of time. Coach Levi versus Las Vegas Raiders. Going through the draft evaluation process, what were some of the things that you liked when you saw Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler that led to those picks? You know, when you look and you're trying to evaluate, there's a lot of guys you're going through. But ultimately for those guys, I mean, they're big bodies, they're strong bodies, and they're athletic bodies. And so when, you, when you're evaluating defensive linemen in this scheme, all you're really trying to get is guys that can play the run well, press the quarterback, collapse the pocket, and, and those guys provide that kind of value. Frank Vitti Monster with the Review Journal. This is a 4-3 team the last three or four years making the transition to, to a 3-4. Is that a big uh, challenge, or do we make a little bit too much out of that, would you say? You know, you know, talking to Coach Graham, his philosophy, you know, this, this league really is a sub-defense. And so all that really matters is if you got some guys that can rush the passer and some guys that can stop the run. And so we'll be doing a lot of different things up front and just trying to find the best matchups for us to be successful. Following up specifically on that, how much does like a Max Crosby role change in this? What, what I mean, obviously his role is to get after the passer earlier. That's what he wants to do, but the different looks, the different lineups, how will he kind of adjust what he does? You know, that's really probably more game plan and kind of closer when you get to the season. But as for right now, we're just trying to make sure the guys know as many positions as possible and play different techniques as, as well as they possibly can right now in the spring. That's really what we're trying to get done right now. Frank, you guys added a lot of defensive tackles this offseason between the draft and free agency. What's the competition out there been like so far? It's been great. I mean, honestly, that's, that's the thing that kind of drives the NFL. It's like you got to earn your right to have your job and when the regular season starts. And so obviously when you're looking whether you've got the young guys or some veterans in the room, that they can fill the numbers in the room and know it's not going to be like that when we get to the final 53. So that makes uh, the meetings go a little bit better, the focus better, and the competition and practice even better. And that's really what you're looking for each and every, every day. Frank, when you're getting ready to come, like you said, a, a program like, like the Raiders, do you reach out to other guys that have been here, like maybe even a college teammate like Michael Huff, to see what this organization is all about? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I got to play against this organization back in the day, and, and you know, you kind of know what that feels like. But anytime, you know, when, even from my short time here, this is a first-class organization. You know, they do things the right way here. 
And I think that starts from the leadership all the way down. So the leadership and the head coach, the, the message and the, and the image that Coach McDaniels wants to put out, the way Coach Graham wants to run his defense and the styles, it's easier to fall in line here and just get the job done. And I mean, we're just trying to find ways to, to win some football games. What's, what's the adjustment been like to Las Vegas for you? The heat, that was, you know, it's, it's dry. You know, I'm from Texas, so I'm used to the humidity, but the, the dryness of the heat has, has been a huge adjustment, you know, not sweating. And for me, stepping on the scale, and all of a sudden you, you dropped about 10 pounds in one practice. So that's a little bit of adjustment. Got to stay hydrated, as, as Denzel always says. So that, that's for real out here. Frank, Josh and, um, and, and Patrick have talked about Cleve Farrell, maybe using him a little bit differently than he has in the past. Maybe that'll be better for him. Um, from what you've seen so far of him, A, has he been receptive to that? And B, is there a niche from somewhere for him uh, in this? You know, when you, when you have somebody as big and athletic as him, all you're really trying to do is get him confident as possible so he can play as many positions as possible. And, and what I've seen so far from the spring is that he's been respect, receptive, he's been all ears, and he's been eager, and he's been playing with really great effort. And that's really where we're just trying to establish the foundation. There's Frank Oakham, the new Raiders defensive line coach. He was in the league as a player from 2008 through 2013, and then he joined the coaching ranks first in college, Rice University, 2014 through 2017, Baylor, 18 and 19, and then he started in the NFL in 2020. The last two seasons, he's been with Carolina, and now he's the defensive line coach with your Las Vegas Raiders. Pretty simple at the beginning, talking about the players earning the system, them being eager to be there, to get acclimated to it, to get the technical points down, and that's something that you want to see from the guys on the team, the guys on the roster, them being in the building, not only to say, hey, I'm here, my attendance record is good. No, they want to be there to learn, to get better. They have a sense of urgency of wanting to be good players in this league, and the only way to do so is to be the best man possible for your team. This is a team sport. It's 11 on 11 on the field, and if one of them doesn't work, it's going to be a hard time for the other 10 on the field, and that's what I love. Every player on the team, pretty much a very high-attended OTA session since last week, now this week, and of course, you see the leaders there. Mad Max Crosby, he just got paid a $98 million contract pretty much for him, and he's still there. Chandler Jones, first time in free agency, just got the bag. Guess what? He's there too. And when you see these two guys out there in these OTAs, which are voluntary sessions, putting in the work, grinding hard to become even better players, that puts the sense of urgency on the other players to step their game ups and to be even better players to help this team out and take the squad to the promised land. And you look at what happened in the rest of the division, the Chargers got better. The Chiefs, they still got Mahomes, so they're good. The Broncos got better. So now you need to chase those guys. You need to try to take their heads off, figuratively, and get them on the ground, get them hurting, and make them think, think twice once they got the ball in their hands. Remember, Raider Nation, this was day number five of the Raiders OTAs. Our guys, Q and Vinny Vonsignor, they were there. They were at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It was a hot day out there in Henderson for Coach Frank Oakham. I've been here in Vegas for five years now. Honestly, for me, it doesn't get hot until it hits July and August. Once it hits triple digits, then I'll start complaining. For me, it's a beautiful day out here 
in Sin City. They'll keep you updated with everything that they saw out there in OTA's practice today. 2 p.m., Unnecessary Roughness with Q. 4 p.m., In the Huddle with Vinny Vonsignor. The season is creeping up on us. Tomorrow will be only 100 days away from the season opener for the Raiders in Inglewood against the Los Angeles Chargers. And from this moment right now, we're 64 days away from the Hall of Fame game against the Jaguars. This extra preseason game that Josh McDaniels will be able to have to keep his eye on his rookies, to keep his eye on the undrafted free agents, to keep his eye on young players that he might want to have playing in the season. This will be a fantastic opportunity for Alex Zetherwood to prove what he's worth, to show what he has, for Dylan Parham to take the field, to be able to get some snaps and see where he's a better fit in the guard position. Or the center position. I was reading uh, to Sean Reed on social media earlier today, and he was he posted that Andre James wasn't out there at practice today, so that Ronis Grasu was the one taking the snaps at center, not Dylan Parham, which a lot of folks think that the best fit for him in the NFL is at center. Well, today was a prime opportunity for him to take those snaps, and he didn't take them. But that's the thing. We heard Coach Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, says they're going to try every player in pretty much every position unless you're a stud that doesn't deserve to be moved around and you stay in your spot. Pretty much we know that's Colton Miller for the Raiders. Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs, and Jonathan Abram also spoke today after the OTA session that the Raiders held in Henderson, Nevada. And I know your boy Q, He's going to be having some of those sound bites here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. The season, we know it's near, but the Raiders, they still got moves to make. Remember, June 2nd, first day post June 1st. That means Corey Littleton and Carl Nassib are off the books for the Raiders. $19.75 million just opened up in cap space for the Raiders. $22.5 million for the silver and black in cap space. So we'll figure out. We'll see what's coming up for the Raiders. Moves in free agency, signing players. We'll see. The Raiders, they still got space, and I don't think they're that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels will say, we'll just carry that cap space into 2023. No, they want to win. They want to do big things. And talking about wanting to do big things, Tim Patrick, he said in yesterday's pat practice with the Broncos, Super Bowl or bust this year for Denver. Well, good job on putting pressure on your squad. They've missed the playoffs in each of the last six seasons. And now you're talking about Super Bowl or bust just because you got Russell Wilson? Good luck, buddy. The Raiders, they want to do a good job. And guess what? It's one game at a time, one quarter at a time, one series at a time, one play at a time. That's something we love about Josh McDaniels. He can do changes very, very quick. He doesn't wait until...
drives to be able to do these changes in the second half. No, he goes series by series. He's going to be able to do it with the Raiders. I'm Harry Ruiz here on the JT The Brick Show. Thank you, Raider Nation, for joining me today. Thank you to Sibley Skulls and Mario Jerez for being my guests today. Tomorrow, we'll be here from noon to tuna on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up next, your boy Q here on Unnecessary Roughness at 2 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio. Have a great day, Raider Nation.